Hello and welcome to another episode of The Third Wheel. I'm one of your hosts, Hamish. And I'm your other host, Darren. And today we're joined by a call out from Grace. Her name is Ellen. Would you like to introduce yourself a little? Hiya, my name is Ellen Rodder. I studied at Warwick, that's how I know Grace, and did a lot of radio, did a lot of raw at Warwick. So I'm very excited to be on your podcast today, guys. Oh, awesome. I just, I got a flex. Do you know the, I designed the raw logo? <gasps> did you? The new one? Oh my God, you know what? Wait, how new are we talking? Have they just- the, as in the, uh, as in the gold. Yeah, 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 yeah. Gold and black, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a pretty good flex because I didn't buy any raw merch before your new logo came along. Oh, so, sweet, sweet. Yeah, definitely. Grace and I got the matching, matching sweatshirts and I yeah, still have mine. <laughs> yeah. Well, what did you, did you have your own show? Say, or were yes. you on like the exec or anything? No, so I I started off in my first year. I did a lot of kind of guest review spots on like some of the arts shows. So, you know, making use of all those like good free tickets <laughs> to go and see stuff and then talk about it on air after. And yeah, Grace and I were always interested in radio. So we did our show, The Breakfast Club. When we came back, I think we did it in our second year. We then both went away on years abroad and then we came back to do it again in our final year. I don't, I don't think we talked about that. I don't think she mentioned it. Yeah, Otherwise, I probably would have flexed the rule logo thing again. I don't know. <laughs> Damn, you missed an opportunity there. Yeah. <laughs> but no, that's wicked. Another another Warwick, Warwick grad. What did you study? I studied classical civilization with a study abroad. So exactly the same as Grace, okay. actually. Yeah. And um, it was really great. Yeah. Four-year course. And I did my year abroad in Melbourne at Monash University. Oh, wow. Okay. So that's different. Uh, Grace went Rome, I think. Yeah, yeah. I had the option because I guess that's one of the great things about Warwick, right? They offered so many different like opportunities to go abroad. But my thinking at the time, it might have been a bit naive considering the post-Brexit era we're now living in. I was like, oh, well, like, Italy will always be there. Like, it'll always be easy to get to and like mm-hmm. close by. So I kind of just made the decision that if I don't go to Australia now, I never will. And it definitely was the right decision. I don't have you. Have you guys ever been? No, no, I'd, I'd want to go to Australia. Yeah. But yeah, just never, never had the chance really. Yeah, it was, it was really, it was really beautiful. And, you know, taking the opportunity to like travel a bit around New Zealand as well and do stupid stuff like skydives and bungee jumps, you know, that was good fun. Nice, nice. But yeah, previously, just before, before we got on air, we, we mentioned you've had a bit of an accident. A bit of an incident, shall we say? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was just saying to you guys, like, have you heard of young farmers clubs before? Nope. No. Okay. I'm probably about to give them a, a bad rep, but to be honest, they have a, a, a fairly interesting rep anyway, shall we say. But down here in like, I, so I live in, live in Cornwall, I'm Cornwall born and bred. And down here, there's a really huge like agricultural community and like young farmers clubs is very much like a, a kind of like social club to allow people from kind of remote rural areas to like you know get together and do things like public speaking competitions and like competitions evenings like sports events all that sort of stuff so it's really good fun it's kind of a bit of rite of passage down here to be honest because like all my dad's side have like been to young farmers my grandparents met at young farmers like you know all this sort of stuff so anyway yesterday afternoon was um or evening was this round called it's a knockout and it's basically like a games evening where you do things like obstacle courses and like greasy pole i don't know if you guys have ever like done a greasy pole before <laughs> this is all sounding weird, weird. this is probably a lot for like nine thirty in the morning but greasy pole is like where you're on yeah a pole that's been like greased up with like very liquid and you try and like knock the other component off okay 
You might have seen it before. Yeah, but it's like plastic and like it's on gladiators, that kind of like. Yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. So like the whole like pool like below is made with like loads of wrapped hay bales and oh, yeah, okay. you have like a bag of hay to try and like knock the other person <laughs> off. It's just like farming themed. Yeah, 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 everything, exactly. Everything's very on brand. And yeah, and then you have a race called a Billy Bunter race, which sounds awful. And it is awful because your team, you have to go, you have to run up to this tray and you have to eat whatever's in the tray. So like I had to eat like a cup of hot salsa. My sister had to eat like a cup of dry oats. My mate had to like eat a plate of Marmite, like just gross, silly little games like this. Yeah. Anyway, this isn't how I sprained my ankle. I sprained my ankle by doing the obstacle course. And I had to do it twice because we were two team members down. And it wasn't on the first time it happened. It was on the second time, the home straight. I was trying to bring it home for my club. And, you know, there are those tires sometimes. I guess in army assault courses, you know, when you like Mm -hmm. put your feet through them. Yeah. Yeah. And my ankle just went and I was down and it was very dramatic to be honest I did not I did not you know intend for that to happen but yeah then I just ended up in minor injuries until like 1am yesterday so yeah here I am icing my ankle as we speak yeah well trooper for coming still coming on the on the podcast <laughs> thanks yeah H- Hamish also had an accident last night he uh, oh, really? would uh, say he almost died this was a health and safety hazard because Aaron refused to base it. Aaron stopped helping midway through this. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't as crazy, but it was basically jinxed the moment before it happened. It wasn't that deep. I don't think I'm suffering from any um, back back injuries after it. But basically, we're moving a sofa at a friend's house who recently moved into their house, mm. and so we broke it down and then moved it. And only on the last stretch, literally, one of our friends she said we did it with like no accidents or something, no injuries. Yeah, and as she said that, my foot slipped on like the step entering oh, but i didn't no. like fall but i was like oh. and aaron was just there standing on the side i was like aaron you little shit <laughs> I, 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 was, I was just laughing man i was no it's because hey was just like his instant reaction was just saying oh shit i almost died like it wasn't like <laughs> ow or oh crap it was like the whole sentence oh shit i just almost died <laughs> i just found it funny but yeah farmers club is that like so are you playing against other farmers clubs Yeah, exactly. So like, you know, in a county such as Cornwall, it's actually quite a big county, like quite a lot of the like, I guess, like smaller regions and towns are quite far away from each other. So my club is called Praise. And it very much is like, it is so family orientated. Like, you know, my cousins are in Praise, like, like I said, like, my dad and all his siblings went to Praise. It's all very like, I think quite a lot of people make jokes about it because like, you know, they're like, oh, you Cornish, like you're all just like inbred. And I'm like, don't don't joke. Like, yeah, there are a lot of my cousins and second cousins. (laughs) I'll accept that. But yeah, it was quite quite unusual, I guess, because like not many people from the Southwest seem to go to Warwick. You know, in general, like I only ever met one other Cornish person when I was at uni. And so I think the kind of concept of like something like a young farmers club was I got I got taken the mick out of a lot like <laughs> by people for it. But, but you know, it, it is good fun and it's nice because it can give opportunities like 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 I was saying in such a, a rural county. It's not like there's a, a city to go to like gigs to on a Friday night. Do you know what I mean? Like it's like everything's very remote. So it's quite nice to have like this base of like people and like you know you can do like often a lot of partying in fields is involved you know like (laughs) just a lot of this but it's funny because like I did it I did it when I was like younger so maybe like 16 
like it was it was really good throughout when I was in school kind of yeah. 16 to 18 time I was like going to club each week but then since I've been away and like working after uni and stuff this was quite weird for me coming back on now that I'm 24 on my membership card it says senior I almost cried oh, it's like <laughs> a membership card and everything as well yeah 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 so like it's, there's like Cornwall Federation of Young Farmers and then there's young farmers in general so there's actually some in Warwick and Kenilworth I believe like there are clubs around there as well but yeah so you have to like sign up get this membership and yeah it's the first year that my cards ever said senior and I was deeply upset and yeah when I used to be in Young Farmers my younger sister Molly Molly was always known as Ellen's sister I've now come back it's her heyday so I'm now known as like Molly's sister so it's a bit of a weird one (laughs) yeah that's unfortunate I'll be be human (laughs) I'm, I'm the original yeah, exactly. I felt like I'm the original Rodder here, but then they call us the Rodder Squadder because there's quite a lot of us okay. <laughs> just in the club. But my sister was very good last night, actually, because she's uh, training to become a paramedic. So when I sprained my ankle, she was right on the scene. Oh, wicked. We, we mentioned being a paramedic and for you a few episodes ago. We had the oh, yeah. nurse on. Yeah. So maybe she should listen to that episode. Yeah, oh, she definitely. Yeah, she definitely should. And my my mum's a nurse as well, so I should get I should get them both to listen. Oh, wow. Yeah. Was was university then the first time you were like away from Cornwall for like a while? Yeah, yeah. And to to be honest with you, I university was quite like a a shock. Like I think a lot more than a lot of people would expect because. It is really rural down here. Also, Cornwall's it's very small. You know, it has it has so many positives and I'm I'm so I'm so proud of like where I come from, but especially going to like, you know, I think a lot of people would say mindsets are quite closed mindsets down here and it's like it's not a diverse county at all like in any sense of the word. So going to Warwick and Warwick being like a really big university being a very like, you know, a, a university that really prides itself on like being really multicultural and like everything like this you know it was definitely the right uni for me I'm so happy I went to Warwick for multiple reasons the sheer volume of people mm-hmm. in a space was almost what hit me the most yeah. you know just and you know I think I even remember cars going faster than I'd seen them before <laughs> that sounds really silly but like I genuinely remember just being a bit like overwhelmed when I was 18. Yeah is that like did you consider London at all because I imagine that being like another kind of scale? Yeah so I love London and like London is because and it's quite common for a lot of Cornish youth to be like yeah London's the dream just because it's the like polar opposite yeah and like I'm guilty of that as well like I really really want my time in like the big smoke or like whatever you want to call it but I didn't consider London for for a university just because it's not a university town it was so expensive and stuff so I kind of always wanted to give you know I wanted to do uni somewhere else and then go to London but obviously the pandemic kind of stopped that so I've not I've not reached London just yet (laughs) (laughs) and then what about Melbourne is that like a because I haven't been but is that very heavily populated is it quite a busy city or is it yeah, it can be quite busy, but Melbourne's layout is quite, it's quite open. So like the, the city never feels too claustrophobic, like even in the central business district, like it's all still fairly fluid and moving. And I was really attracted to Melbourne because it has, it just has something for everyone there. Like, you know, if you like art, if you like history, if you like dance, if you like food, like, you know, there was always something going on. And also I think because 
<laughs> because coming up from from Cornwall, I did I did want something completely different. Yeah far away like I remember when I was doing my university open days when I went up to Edinburgh my dad Cornish born and bred like proper farmer till he dies phoned me five times like on the Edinburgh open day because he was like well extra have all that like you don't need to go Edinburgh like why would you need to go there like you know kind of thing and almost because you know it was too far away so I obviously did the lovely thing and then moved to Melbourne on my year abroad and I was like this is far away dad (laughs) <laughs> just to prove that Edinburgh is not that far yeah exactly because he was like you're gonna have to get a plane there and I was like yeah but <laughs> but um no so Warwick was a good I think you know middle ground because it was kind of farther enough away and it was different enough you know and even being like surrounded by places like Birmingham and Coventry they, they were so different for me just having like s- cities and big towns like just on your doorstep you know, because if you think about it, it's Cornwall, the nearest place. Yeah, Exeter's a city, but it's not really that busy. So probably Bristol, yeah. like, is the most heavily, like, populated place. But Warwick's also the most landlocked university in the UK. So being away from the sea was really, really difficult for me. Landlocked meaning, like, it's just land? Yeah, exactly. Like, none of the borders are, like, um, the, the coast. And also it takes ages, like, it's the furthest uni away from a coast. Apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Did you miss Cornwall during that time? Like that period away? Hmm. I think originally starting uni because everything was so different and so new. I think I was like, oh, this is amazing. Like, you know, it was just focusing on all of that. And I didn't realize, I don't think I realized how much I missed it until I realized I couldn't get to the sea very easily because where I live now, I'm like five, I'm five miles away. Like, it's really not like, I don't know how well, you know, Cornwall, but like down near the end, there's like a kind of skinny bit before, between, before it goes out to the peninsula. And we live right in the middle of that skinny bit. So from the tallest point of our farm, you can see both coasts, okay. which is pretty cool. So I didn't realize how much I, I missed it until I realized like, oh, I've like not seen the ocean like in ages. This is really weird. And then when I consequently, when I went back home that first Christmas, I was like, Oh, wow. Okay. And I think, Mm. you know, I'm very fortunate to grow up in like such a beautiful part of the country. And I think, you know, you really, really take that for granted when you grow up there. So yeah, I'd say probably when I came back for that first holiday is when it kind of like hit me. Yeah. Something you just don't appreciate probably while you're living there growing up. Yeah. And, you know, especially now, like, you know, I've been in Cornwall a lot longer than I'd planned to. Like, you know, I lived in Spain, but that's where I went after uni. I went and did the British Council like uh, scheme. So I was a teaching assistant out there. And that's where I was when the pandemic hit. So then, yeah, I came home at the end of May. So that what that's May 2020. And then, yeah, I've been I've been home now for over a year. And like, you know, that wasn't the plan. I was going to go to London, like after I'd finished up Mm. in Spain and stuff. But actually, like, I've learned to appreciate home even more, having like been living and working here now, even though I hadn't planned to. Yeah, no, I I do get that. Like when you're away from home, I think you appreciate home, or for my case, in a way, I felt like I appreciated England and London like a lot more. Yeah. I only realized, I think Hamish was the same. I only found out yesterday that like, people from Cornwall are like called Cornish. I, I, I didn't realize that was like a thing because Cornish is just like Cornish pasty, Charlie, to me. 
another uh, you know something i'm very something i'm actually wearing on my necklace right now i've got a little cornish pasty charm on it but um, (laughs) god this is i'm gonna look so nationalist on this it's so our our friend like it's because we were at a friend's house and they'd just recently been to cornwall oh cool and then we we mentioned oh we got a we got a girl coming on the podcast from cornwall uh tomorrow and then they were telling us like oh yeah they're like how it was for them and they were saying like how there's like Cornish independence. Is that? Yeah, it's quite a big thing. Well, well, it's not a big thing to be a threat yet. <laughs> that's, that's kind of the good, good thing about it. But yeah, maybe in Kerno. So that is like, I think that translates in Cornish as the Cornish party. Okay. And yeah, they are very nationalistic. They believe that we should be chopped off at the border at the Tamar Bridge, like, you know, kind of be like a an island or something, as it were. So you'd be your own like country? Mm, yeah, yeah, own I don't know, own state, own like whatever. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, I to be honest, like that's a very like extreme side and from the kind of people that I sort like I'm around and you know where we are in Cornwall like you don't hear much of it like it's kind of just like oh maybe in Kerno you know it's just like people don't really pay that much attention to it the young farmers club don't uh yeah yeah no, they, they don't participate <laughs> in those politics don't worry but it's interesting you know because I think I don't know if you guys know that Cornish was actually granted ethnic minority status in 2015 Oh. You know, for me personally, because I think quite a lot of people have asked me about that. And I was like, and ultimately, you know, people were going about and changing their like passports and asking on like censuses for like, you know, when you do surveys and stuff and they ask for your like ethnic background or identity or yeah. whatever, like people were asking for it to be like white, you know, Cornish or like whatever and stuff. And like on some things that has changed, but on the majority, like it hasn't, because like I said, you know, it, it wasn't a big thing. And ultimately, like from my opinion, although I'm very proudly Cornish there are a lot more other other not make sense but ethnic minorities that need a hell of a lot more support and visibility than like the Cornish do so you know I'm happy like for myself like to call myself Cornish but yeah. I ain't gonna be going to the passport office and saying like change it you know <laughs> at, at the moment says the girl wearing a pasty necklace but you know what I mean <laughs> yeah it came about in, t- in 2015 which now I, when I look at it that's a because I was like, oh yeah, 2015, that's but I was like, ago. hell, that's when I started uni. Like that was a long time ago, you know, yeah. and stuff. But I haven't seen they, it on like any kind of forms or stuff. I don't know. There's, but there's a lot of like schemes and programs for like to help ethnic minorities like get into like certain like industries or whatever. So I don't know. I wonder if like you can apply as like saying like, oh yeah, I'm from Cornwall. Yeah, that's if it's like officially a. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if it's recognised yeah. like that, right? Because obviously, like, I'm, I mean, um, a lot of my mates have been talking about, like, you know, Creative Access. Have you heard of that that platform as well before? I don't think so, no. It's like, a like you were saying, like a job um, platform that, like, enables people from either low income or, a, you know, bam, bam backgrounds and stuff. So, and they, like, really champion careers in the arts and stuff. And, you know, they've got some, like, amazing opportunities on that. But, yeah, I, I don't know because I've never looked into it. I've absolutely no yeah. idea if they would recognize that as an ethnic minority, given by the fact, like you said, it's not on many forms, really, down here. But, yeah, it, it, it is an interesting one because I think I look back on, like, my education down here and I really do wish, like, the Cornish language had been celebrated more. 
you know, because like if you look in like Wales. So you get your own language as well. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's like a, it's like a Celtic, Welsh, Scottish, like it's like a Celtic denomination. So it's it's an odd one because like, you know, in Wales, they really they really champion their language, like, you know, yeah. and as like Welsh GCSE and stuff, even though I know that, like some of my mates who are Welsh and grew up in the Welsh education system would be like, oh, well, it's useless. Like, what's the point? But even if it had just been like, you know, an after school club or something like it would be, it'd cool be really say, interesting. Like, yeah, it's cool to like. Le- like understand more because I know my my grandpa spoke a little bit of it and stuff so it, it would just be kind of cool like to to know a bit more do you see much of it like is it on like signs and directions it's on signs yeah. everywhere yeah like you know when you when you come into Cornwall like welcome to Cornwall like and you know it will be translated below and stuff and it sounds very very similar to Welsh um, it comes from exactly the same root as Welsh, whereas like Irish and Gaelic came from like a their own root. But yeah, Welsh and Cornish came from like the same one. Yeah, yeah. No, that's cool. I, I would like to visit Cornwall at some point. I feel like a lot of people have visited recently, like within the last year or so. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't know if that was because people couldn't travel abroad, so they were just like, mm. "Oh, let's go Cornwall." I think I think it like yeah it's it's kind of a combination I think because like the staycation you know it became popular and really the only kind of I guess holiday option that a lot of people had and you know quite a few nicknames that get bandied around for Cornwall are like oh the Cornish Riviera Kernofornia like you know whatever <laughs> like everyone was just kind of like get get down there and it's a really popular tourist yeah. spot anyway there is actually a word in Cornish for tourists, which uh, would you like to know what it yeah, is? Yeah, yeah. Is it a bad word? I'm guessing it's a bad word. It's not like bad. It's not bad as in, it's kind of rude, but not like rude, rude. So the word is Emmet. Emmet. It's spelled E-M-M-M-E-T. And it translates to ant in Cornish because the idea is, is that the ants swarm on Cornwall when it's like summer. Okay. So like, it's like a whole, whole thing that makes it sound like very negative, but also <laughs> like it, it's, it's not because ultimately one of the industries that keeps Cornwall alive is also like the tourism industry. Right. But yeah, this last year, it's been the busiest I've ever, ever known it. Having like mm. grown up here, like my whole life. And I was working in a hotel this year. And so you kind of, you know, seeing hospitality through this last year and through COVID and how busy it was. And I was, I was near Padstow, which is a very, very popular, like kind of touristy foodie hotspot, like all the best seafood and stuff like is like served there. Yeah. And it, and it was, it was so busy. Like the roads in Cornwall, Cornwall's just not built. It doesn't have the infrastructure. Yeah. That's the problem. Like for this many people, but um, you may, I don't know if you've know, yeah, if you've heard of any other, like, I guess, Cornish issues. I feel like I'm giving a bit of a, a bulletin here. Second homes are also very popular in Cornwall, as in not Cornish people having them, as in people from elsewhere having second homes in Cornwall. And yeah, that, that's been a bit more difficult this last year, to be honest, because, you know, people have been realizing they can work from home. So then they're like, well, then why the heck would I live in London? Like, you know, if I could like buy something down there or and so the housing market has always been quite <laughs> really expensive and really unattainable for like people who like born and raised here, to be honest. But yeah, that's been probably the biggest difficulty at the moment is that people who work and live down here are losing out on homes because a lot of homes are becoming second homes instead 
and stuff. So I think when people come down or when people like, you know, it's it, all, all that glimmers isn't gold or whatever. I think a lot of people see Cornwall for like, you know, the ice cream, the pasties, like, you know, the beaches and it does, it is all that. But, you know, behind the scenes, I think there are quite a few like difficulties as well. Some of which have been helped by co- like COVID and the pandemic and some of which that just like haven't. But that's probably the same for anywhere, right? Yeah, it's just something kind of, yeah, interesting. I noticed like everyone's Instagram stories over the past year or something. They're probably like, I've just seen like loads of people in Cornwall. Yeah. I don't know. There's a period anyway where I felt like it was quite, quite a lot. But I wanted to like move on and touch on like mm. farming, just mm. like farming. And in- I don't know where it is that's better to start with this. You mentioned like previously before uh, when we were planning the episode that your dad's a father. Yes. Dad's yeah. a father. Dad's a farmer. <laughs> he is both of those things. Yeah. Father and farmer, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I don't really know. I, I mentioned to you as well, like I just recently binged Clarkson's farm. So I feel like yeah. I. Well, I don't know a lot. I only watch, I only know that. So, what was your opinion of Clarkson's farm? Like, did you love Caleb? Oh yeah, Caleb was pretty funny. And when you were talking about when you moved to Warwick, it was kind of like, wow, like all these cars moving fast. It reminds me of the scene where he went into, he drove into London, and yeah, like yeah, those yeah. cars like going really fast. For Hamish Clarkson's, have you heard of Clarkson's farm? I've heard of it. I haven't watched it. Yeah, Jeremy Clarkson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. from a uh, mm. Top Gear. Used to be top gear. That's the reason I would watch it, but I don't know if I'm. I don't know. There's been no appeal to me to yeah. watch it. It's it's really it's highly rated. Um, it's on Amazon Prime, mm. and basically he, I assume it was like a second home to him as well. Wherever it, I'm not sure where it was. It was originally, yeah. yeah. So um, the farms in the Cotswolds, kind of like I think on the borders, of, it's like Oxfordshire. Yeah, yeah. But he decided to like for the TV series, basically become a farmer and like mm. take care of his like land far. I, I don't know the correct like terminology. I found it like really interesting just to see kind of like, I didn't think it was that deep, like just coming from like not knowing anything really, like the amount of like mm. how expensive it is. First of all, I think they showed that in like the first episode, like how much like a tractor costs or albeit like he did buy a Lamborghini tractor, but yeah, good yeah, God, yeah. that machine, goodness me. But like paying for like crops and I don't know, was it the crops that you pay for the seeds? I don't know. I don't know. I'm yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. Like just paying for all that stuff, fertilizer and the quantities, like buying sheep and stuff. Mm-hmm. And like him not really making, I think what did he make like 84 quid profit or something for the year or something like that? I know his face in that moment. Like, I, I, oh, it was so funny. Yeah, and it made a lot, a big deal on like how like weather can kind of impact the farming like community. Mm and it's interesting as well with the COVID here and like how that kind of changed things. And then Jeremy Clarkson's just, I know he's quite a controversial character, but I thought it was just really funny. Like he's just really sarcastic, like throughout it. Does a Lamborghini tractor make a difference to a tractor in any way? It's just really big, like really big, like unnecessarily so. And it just had like a ridiculous amount of buttons, didn't it? Yeah. Like that he just couldn't figure out. Like there's loads of times it couldn't fit into like certain places that you need to go the sheds yeah, yeah and stuff because it was just so massive yeah but that, that was it was funny when he kind of rolled up in a, a lamborghini tractor yeah but yeah like from your point of view how did you find the the show was it like an accurate kind of representation or 
Picking up on a couple of points you said, like, yeah, ultimately Clarkson's quite a controversial character. And, you know, like I grew up watching Top Gear, like with my dad, like and stuff. And, you know, I really enjoyed it. But then obviously, like with everything (laughs) that came about of how he left the show and like Jeremy Clarkson himself kind of as a character, I was like, "Mm, I don't warm to him that much. So when I heard he was doing this show, I was like, okay, well, this will be kind of interesting to see how he goes about it. And I think you might like it, Hamish, because if you like the kind of framework that like the original Top Gear was kind of shot in and that kind of like that juxtaposition of like comedy and like, you know, journalism kind of like, you know, serious and funny. He does that really well. And I actually, you know, so previously, I think I would have I was a bit skeptical. But having watched it, I thought, actually, if there was anyone who was going to draw attention you know, to an industry that isn't that much talked about, it's not it's not known about by a lot of people. I actually think he's done a really good good job of doing that. From my perspective as like a farmer's daughter, because we're on a we're on a horticultural farm as well. So primarily it's crops here. Um, I could relate to the sheep because the sheep, the sheep, because um, I kept a flock of orphan lambs over lockdown three. So that was quite nice and funny for me to see. Also, the shepherdess in that was called Ellen as well. Oh Yeah, yeah, she was. So, yeah. But. Yeah, watching it from like my perspective and also watching, I watched it with my family. So my mum, who's a farmer's daughter, and my dad, who's a farmer, quite entertaining watching it because obviously my dad's there going like, he's an idiot, bought a Lamborghini, like what's he doing? Like, you know, and everything like this, just like rolling his eyes. But it highlights how much of a gamble farming is, doesn't it? Because like, you know, you look at that series and you think who the hell would farm? Like genuinely, who would choose to farm when you've got so many factors that yeah. can affect like everything? It seems str- like it was weird because it seems it seemed like peaceful, but also like really stressful at the same time. Yeah, it seemed peaceful, kind of if you compare it to like London and working in the city and having to get on the train and stuff like that. But then stressful, like taking care of sheep and uh, just having to worry about like what the weather is every day and stuff like that. Yeah. I think so. And I think it is, you're right. It's a really weird balance between like, it's mostly serenity, but then when it's like crunch time, it's crunch time kind of thing. Cause like my dad is an incredibly like peaceful man. Like I've only known my dad to be angry. Like I could count it on one hand, like kind of thing. Like, and he's just very cool and quite calm and like in control. But like, yeah, you're completely at the mercy of mother nature basically. So like, you know, if say, for example, if it's too hot, it's too dry, you have to like irrigate the plants. And so, you know, you're like getting water, we've got you get it from like this stream and, you know, you're essentially pumping it all over the fields, like watering them, basically. But we often call irrigation irritation, because it's so it's just so much of like a a pain in the backside for my dad to be honest like it just takes a lot of work he's up early like half five every morning kind of thing and yeah it can take quite quite a lot out of you and um i always remember something my papa said my granddad which was like people i think he had a couple of what he'd call city folk um like talking to him and you know they were like oh you know farmers just like complain about the weather all the time like i don't get why they complain about the weather all the time and he was like well how about i take the roof off your office and see how you like it or like whatever he said but you know although that's like a very oh god like farmer thing to say it is kind of true like you're completely if you're completely mercy at the mercy of the elements then you complain about it all the time too right yeah one thing that shocked me as well, just the amount of rules there were. I remember 
like Jeremy complaining about like I forgot his name the the one who he he called like grumpy cheerful Charlie cheerful Charlie Char- yeah that was it the accountant yeah, guy yeah. right yeah and there was stuff like he couldn't like keep like these two things in the same yeah he couldn't keep the fertilizers in with hay with dry with basically yeah, because dry straw because combust flat, yeah yeah and that does happen like just keeping fertilizer in the same room as hay and it that's yeah I, I was just like wait what but yeah they're just yeah i i really enjoyed it I'd, I'd, i would recommend it uh hey should we get a chance one day yeah one day. it is funny it is yeah. like largely just funny even if like it is funny you know, like I, I was crying like with laughter especially over how he was trying to like herd the sheep and yeah. like everything like that yeah, he was um, getting drones Hamish to like basically replace a dog when like herding sheep and he got the drone to like bark like make dog noises and stuff but it didn't go well obviously yeah, it's very, it's very funny. You'll, ha- you'll have to watch it. Yeah, it's been nice to see, actually, because on social media, I'd seen that loads of people like, you know, on Instagram and stuff were posting about it on their stories and, and, and you know, starting that conversation. And, um, you know, I think I think that's been a bit of a godsend, especially with like the way, you know, COVID has changed not only the agricultural industry, but I think the consumer industry in terms of how, how we are buying our food and drink and where we are sourcing it from. So, yeah, I think it's come about at the right time. Yeah, the sheep stuff. Because hmm. that was another thing for me where I was like, I didn't realize as well you spray paint like sheeps, like that, like all the sheeps as well. It just seemed to be a bit weird. And then also just like killing them. As in, I thought that was like a really sad bit where I think like two sheep had to die just because they couldn't like have children. Was that it? Yeah, yeah. They were barren, I think, or something. Yeah. I can't remember now, but yeah. So why, why, why do they have to die? Is it just... I don't know. Why can't they just chill? Do you know what I mean? They cost, right. you know, like they because you're feeding them, because if they're going to have a good life, then you're immunizing them, vaccinating them, like, you know, giving them treatments, like whatever. And yeah, ultimately, it's an issue of cost at the end of the day, which, yeah, it's, you know, although I am a, far- a farmer's daughter, like I've been brought up, I guess, kind of with that reality. I didn't grow up with animals on the farm. So my first, like we had pets, you know, like pet chickens and our dogs and cats and stuff, but actual like, you know, it being an agricultural farm or having livestock. My first experience of that was this year. Like I said, in lockdown three, I learned to, I learned to lamb and stuff, but I'd always been interested in it, but I'd never had like the opportunity. And so I was furloughed from work, you know, cause I was working in a hotel. And so, yeah, I basically, a friend of my dad's, who's a shepherd was like, yeah, we need help like lambing. Would you like to learn? And so, yeah, I went and about every day for a month or so when, and I think they were like, their flock was nearly 600 ewes. So like, that's quite a lot of lambs. And orphan lambs are lambs. Not, I think everyone, when you hear the phrase orphan lambs, thinks, oh my God, like the mummies died. That's not necessarily it. Say, for example, if a ewe had three lambs, but she's only got two teats, uh, only two of them are going to be fed well. One of them will kind of be starved or will be like the runt. So you often have to take that lamb off of her Unfortunately, if you don't do that quick enough, the lamb's too big. It can't bond with another mother. So it becomes an orphan lamb and you have to raise it yourself by like feeding it milk from bottles and things like that. So essentially, when it came to the end of the lambing season, (laughs) there were five lambs that needed a home. And I was like, well, I'm furloughed. Like, we're lucky we've got the space here on our farm. I've got nothing better to do. And, you know, I just absolutely fell in love with the lambs. So I was like, yeah, I'll take, I'll take five of them home. Yeah, don't you go like attachment to them? And then when it comes to like 
Like you could even say Jeremy Clarkson getting emotional when yeah he had to have. And, I, and I'm not a meat eater. I'm a vegetarian. So it it wasn't. It, but this is the problem. My first problem was that I named them. I really shouldn't have done that because they are like dogs. They have like personalities. They are actually very clever animals. And yeah, so I had five of them. Five soon became seven. Seven became 10 because like this was through the shepherd communicating with me and basically some like some lambs that had been adopted, they weren't taking to their mum, wasn't taking to them very well. Their mum had rejected them, like whatever it had been. So, you know, we settled on 10. And I remember Jeremy, the shepherd, he sent me a picture of this one lamb on its own in the shed. And there were like no other like lambs with it. It was all alone. And I was like, oh, I was like, no, I can't, I can't. Like, you know, it needs friends. So I snuck it back in the boot of my car and put it in our little shed. And dad went out to check, you know, um, just do the kind of rounds before we, we closed up for the night, basically. So he'd gone to check the lambs. And he went, Ellen, why are there 11 lambs? And I was like, don't know what you're talking about. There have always been 11. And he was like, no, there haven't. There have been 10. Where the hell has that 11th lamb come from? And I was like, I just couldn't leave it. You know, it needed us. Yeah, that lamb was called Dinks because it was so dinky, really, really tiny and stuff. But it was really, no, I completely, completely empathized with Jeremy in that moment because ultimately the lambs I was looking after, the girls, the ewes would probably go back to be mothers the next year and the boys were heading to Waitrose. You know, so I really had to, it was really hard saying goodbye to them, essentially. Like they're not, they're, they went back to rejoin the flock. So they're not, they're not dead yet, but you know, them leaving me, it was really hard. Yeah. Like I became so emotionally attached and, you know, I really, really respect any farmer who's, who's able to do that and like work with animals because of course you form like an attachment with them, you know? Yeah. And what, what did you actually have to do? Like taking care of, taking care of them? taking care of them so like you had to um you know you have to feed them at the start when they're really young you have to feed them like four milk bottles a day so that's often like early morning that could be like you know half five or like six and then you've got to feed them at 12 and then you've got to feed them at six and then you've got to feed them at midnight so it'd be quite like regular feedings and then obviously like cleaning them out and we had, a, we're lucky we had a meadow down here. So we would take them down to the meadow, but we'd have to put them back into the shed to bed at night because there, there are foxes around. And once a fox finds a lamb, it will come back for every single one of them and stuff. So yeah, it was just kind of that being, being a, a lamb mama really <laughs> and giving them like lots of love and affection. <laughs> Which, yeah, again, I probably shouldn't have done, but there we go. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I was going to say recently, I just remember just based on the fox thing you said. So someone said, like, I guess a family lost their rabbit or it escaped or something. So they were putting up posters, but there's so many foxes here. I don't know who's going to break the news to them that the, the rabbit's probably dead, right? realistically. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If there are foxes about, then that rabbit's chances were very slim. <laughs> Um, yeah, to be honest, but, but foxes are nasty. Like they won't even necessarily kill to eat. They'll just kill for the sake of killing. So yeah, that's often the risk with keeping chickens free range as well is that once Mr. Fox finds one of them, they're all goners. <laughs> so how do you get like the title of a farmer? Like what do you have to do? Yeah, I guess that's a, a good question. Do you just have to like own a farm and like take care of it? And then you can be like classified as a farmer or? 
so I guess you don't necessarily have to own it. You know, you oh, don't yeah, necessarily yeah. have to, to own the land. Like, you know, you could be you could be a tenant, like, you know. So, for example, Jeremy, at the start of that, he owned the farm, but he didn't farm it. Yeah. So, you know, he contracted someone like Caleb to farm it. And because I guess Caleb is the one doing the work and is responsible for the, the crops and the yield and the profit, he is the farmer, not Jeremy. So, like, I guess, like, Jeremy only became a farmer by, like, doing the actions, if that makes sense. So, I wouldn't call myself a farmer. Like, Dad's had us working out on the farm every summer since we've been, like, 12. So, you know, I'd say maybe I'm, like, a a farm hand is probably what we'd we'd call it. Like, yeah. So, you know, just kind of, like, helping out and and things where where you can. Like, I know my dad was quite keen for me to get my tractor license, which you can get before your actual driving license. Oh, wow. Okay. Wait. (laughs) Yeah. You can get that at 16. Yeah. But to be honest, that's I did the majority of my learning to drive, like, on, you know, before I got my provisional on, like, farmyard machinery. So, like, on, you know, tractors, on combines and stuff so yeah it's quite it's quite a different <laughs> when i tell people this they're like that's really that's really weird and i'm like yeah i guess it is kind of different but it must have made like even like jeremy clarkson was struggling to drive some of the tractors and yeah they're not easy so and like they've you know they've got cameras on the back for very good reason like you know having it just such a massive and normal tractors aren't easy to drive, but that's why when I saw that Lamborghini tractor, I just was like, I could not do that. <laughs> not hope in hell. <laughs> so, something you mentioned as well, like briefly during all that was kind of, yeah, from COVID, have you found like people have been like shopping more locally? Mm. Is that something you've reckoned? I don't know if you've got like a, you sell stuff uh, like with your family or have like a farm shop like Jeremy had or anything like that, or is it just like within the community you found it, like the more tourists as well coming over? Yeah, so I think I'd say probably, yeah, within the community. So we, we don't have a farm shop ourselves, but we do supply one, a very local one that's two miles down the road. So my dad grows cauliflower, tender stem broccoli, strawberries, barley, that sort of stuff. So, you know, particularly the cauliflower, the tender stem broccoli and the strawberries, you know, they're all supplied locally. And just noticing really how this farm shop wasn't that big, you know, at the start of the pandemic, like is we're in a very rural area, like where I am right now. And we used the farm shop a lot because, you know, it was local. And again, often your next door neighbor farmers are not only just farmers, they're friends. So like, you know, you want to support them as well. So we were always trying to buy as locally as we could. But then it was just noticing how this like farm shop went like strength, like people were making, putting in orders, like people were doing a lot of like fresh produce boxes. I don't know if you ever saw any of them on like maybe Instagram and stuff like through the pandemic, people were put together almost like these care packages of like fresh fruit and veg and, you know, have them delivered because people were getting so afraid of going to supermarkets and things because so many people were there. And it just seemed to go from strength to strength. Like this farm shop only got bigger. They were able to like have more like local suppliers. And we were just like, this is like a really unexpected change, but a really like positive change because it's only, it's always just been our little farm shop down the road, you know? And actually, you know, it became so popular and so successful that it got recognized by the Duchy of Cornwall. So Prince Charles, you know, Charles, you know, he's like Duke of Cornwall or something. That's like his like, thing i don't know so you know the fact that they recognized that was quite like it was quite like a big thing and i think it just kind of proves how how much the market 
seems to be changing. I don't know. Did did you guys ever? Did you see any of that where where you were? Like, where did you spend the lockdowns and stuff? Yeah, not really. Yeah, ours was just like if you go shopping, you just go to like a Tesco or an Aldi or a Lidl or something. Mm-hmm. I do remember going to like a farm shop when like a local one when we was, I was like really young mm-hmm. and I was going quite a bit, but I can't can't remember the last time. Can't remember the last time I went to it. To be honest. I'm pretty much the same as Aaron here, but I have ne- I've never been to any of those kind of things. Mm-hmm. But I don't, yeah, I don't know. It's just it's been an it's been quite an interesting change, I guess, to have seen both from like the perspective of being down here and also like from the farming perspective. I think it's a very positive change because ultimately there seems to be quite a trend going on in like restaurants right now. I don't know if you've about heard about like the kind of farm to plate trend. Like the idea that the, it's so, you know, the, it's so traceable where all your food comes from and the idea that it's not had to travel very far to be on your okay. plate. Yeah. So the the place where I worked and the hotel, it was called The Pig. I don't know if you've heard of The Pig Hotels before. They're kind of like these bougie hotels that like are all along the South Coast and they opened a new one in Cornwall. And Cornwall, you know, their kind of ethos of, they call themselves a kitchen garden restaurant with rooms. So the idea that they get, they source at least like 80% of what's on their menu from within 25 miles, you know, and quite a lot of that is from their own kitchen garden. And in a place like Cornwall, they were really successful with, with that because Cornwall is so known for like good food and drink. Like we have, a, you know, there's so much agriculture going on down here, like there are so many independent food and drink brands that do that do really well. So yeah, I kind of I guess I saw that really like blow up in that job, like because it was popular. It's kind of a trend anyway. But then with COVID and people really looking, you know, they weren't going very far afield. They were staying nearer to home. It was really great to see people like wanting to support local as well yeah. and being a bit more interested about where their food came from and like how it got to be on their plate. Yeah, like I do, I do like, yeah, you'd go to, I guess, restaurants. Sometimes there'll be a lot of kind of like, oh, this is like locally sourced or mm. this is, I guess it's good seeing that. But what's kind of like the price? Would you say it's like more expensive to just like live in Cornwall and like shop in Cornwall for like these locally sourced, sourced food and goods? Yeah, that, that's interesting as well, because like when you're saying about like the kind of, you know, the little farm shop, the one you might have been yeah. to near Because near I remember that as being cheap. Yeah. But if I think about like, I don't know if I was buying like a, some lamb mm. from a, like a farmer or a shepherd or I, I don't know how it's like from like Jeremy Clarkson's like shop, I assume it'd be like really expensive. So it, it it can depend, to be honest. I guess it's like there. I'd say now the tre- like the way it seems to be working out is that there are two different types of farm shops. There's a farm shop that, like you said, is a local one where you know you can kind of you know you weigh up all your own fruit and your veg. You only buy what you need, kind of thing, and it can work out quite economical. Or there's a farm shop that kind of appeals to the aesthetic of it being a farm shop, right? So, you know, the idea that like, oh, like, you know, my yogurt is the best because, you know, it was only like made this morning and like, you know, in the, in the, it's just this very, it can become this kind of like aesthetic, especially I think of like 
in the upper class as well of like you know that you'd only buy like the fi- the finest tomatoes that were you know grown under the most like beautiful cornish sun or like whatever it can become quite a a thing right yeah. and um so i i noticed this difference when i went to a farm shop up near padstow so where i was working padstow in general is a very affluent area you know like there's loads of second homes and often the types of tourists that come there have a lot of money to spend because the the restaurants that you're going to they're all fine dining like you know rick stein like paul ainsworth okay. big celebrity chef names and I went to a farm shop up there and I couldn't believe it, like the prices. And I was like, this is, this is like not what I'm seeing back where I am, you know, which is um, an hour down the county, like I'm West Cornwall. And I kind of had to have a little think about it. And I was like, that's interesting because are they just making money off of like the second homeowners who come here and will just buy it for the sake of, you know, buying it and to say they can to say they've bought it does that make any sense yeah yeah no it makes sense yeah and that that surprised me as well because i kind of thought oh that's that's interesting but also i don't know i don't know if i agree with that because you know it's not nice you don't want to ever have the reputation for ripping someone off but at the same time i think the food market is changing towards you know buying more quality products and people being willing if they can, to put down a little bit more money for that, you know, like, Mm. especially with the milk industry, like you may have seen, I think it was about two years ago, it was, it was all a big thing on like Twitter, how like a bottle of water would cost more than a pint of milk, you know, and if you think about that money and how it goes back down through the chain, like back through the chain, so money's not only going to the supermarket and the manufacturer and like, but the person at the end of that chain who can get the least is often the farmer and stuff. So really, like for, for us, we always try and buy local milk. We, there's this absolutely amazing dairy down here that if you ever, ever do come down, you know, you've got to try their milk. It's called Trink Milk. And if I, I did a taste test for my mate who's um, from London and she was like, she didn't understand. Like she was like, well, how can like this milk be different from like yeah. the milk I get in Tesco? And I was like, trust me, like, you know, and I think she was just really keen to like taste the difference. And so we blind, yeah, blindfolded her, put it in two little things and she tasted it. And like, it was crazy. The difference of like how it tastes, even the texture, even the color. Wait, so what color is it? So the, the milk at Trink is actually non like homogenized milk, which means that it doesn't go through like it's pasteurized, but it doesn't go through as many of the like processes and filtration processes. So it's actually creamier. And because it's a bit creamier, it's almost it's not yellow. Don't worry. It is more of a creamy yellow color and stuff. Okay. But it's oh, it's so good in coffees. Like if you ever come down, you have to try it. Okay and stuff but it's just I guess it's little things like that really and you know especially over the last year like as a family we've realized that we'd rather put the money towards that you know quality products that you know where they've come from you know the animals have had a good life than I guess buying to incorporate in supermarkets or corporations that ultimately aren't that kind or that fair to their producers we used to sell our strawberries to Tesco's about five years ago but my dad made the decision to leave and it was quite a difficult decision because obviously the one thing you can rely on from a supermarket contract is they're always going to be in demand. They're always going to want stuff. But yeah, dad made the decision to go cut cut it 
because the rate he was getting was like pittance um, and to just go entirely local, like off of local farm shops and markets. And it seems to be going well so far. So that's good. Yeah, no, that's good. Yeah, I, I would say like I would I'd love to kind of buy better quality like meat or food and more locally and stuff like that. It's just, I guess, costs and pricing and stuff like that. Just Yeah, I, I was the same at uni. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, you know, also one, the other aspect of um, being brought up as a in a farming community is I'm tight as a tick. Like I'm very, you know, I'm quite, I'm quite cheap. So I was exactly the same. And especially when, if you're, you know, a student or you're a young person, like, you know, trying to make your, your way in the world, you sometimes have to be, but I guess with people, I don't know, maybe because people have been working from home, they've been cutting down a lot of costs because they haven't been able to go out so much. Maybe they have been putting a bit more money in towards what they're buying. The question I have is whether this trend will stay after COVID goes away. That's the only kind of, I I can't work it out yet because arguably, say, when the world does open up properly and people can go out again and can do whatever and can spend their money in other ways, then maybe they won't spend as much money. Um, So you're saying people are spending more money during COVID? I'm saying because people have, so for example, people have been saving or been able to save some money during COVID because they've not been able to go on those holidays. You know, they've not been able to book this. They're probably not using as much fuel, like et cetera, et cetera, that they maybe have been allowing themselves to put a little bit more money towards like quality products or, you know, local products or whatever you want to call it. But it's difficult to know whether that will stick around because are people going to go back to their old ways or are people going to realize, actually, I feel better because of this. You know, I really enjoy this like quality produce, yada, yada. So I I just don't know which way it's going to swing, to be honest. I think that'll be the key, basically, if people have found a difference using it and if it's like a too good to to go back kind of thing. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. Interesting to see what happens. Mm. Before we round up, there was a few other stuff we mentioned beforehand on like, I just I just bunge all this together, like food wastage, upcycling, slow fashion, secondhand fashion. I know, I, I gave you quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not even like, I don't know, I'm not really sure where to start with that or like what it kind of is really. I've seen a lot of those like terms. Well, I know what like food wastage is and stuff like that, but like slow fashion, I've seen like slow fashion, fast fashion, those terms like thrown around a lot, but I don't really know what they are. Mm-hmm. What, what like parts of that would you kind of want to, would you say that you're passionate about? So I think maybe it relates back to kind of what I've been saying about being really passionate at keeping things local and having that traceability, mm-hmm. ultimately like knowing where things have come from and knowing that hopefully the production line behind that has been as ethical as possible, you know, in the context of farming that the animals have led a good life, you know, or whatever, and that the farmers are getting paid sufficiently for the work they've put in. And I think when it comes to fashion, it's kind of the same thing. Like, you know, in a lot of these big corporations, like they're not that green. They don't treat their garment uh, makers like ethically at all. Quite a lot of incidences and reports that have been shown, like they've been quite inhumane, like working conditions. And I guess that's all part and parcel of this. We're living in such a consumer world now, right? Like it's very like want, 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 buy, 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 like everything's so fast. And I think because of that, because of that demand, then that means corners are being cut 
on how people are treated and how people are being paid. So I think when it comes to like slow fashion, it's the same sort of thing. Either people are buying, again, maybe with more independent brands where, you know, you know where things have come from. But again, often with independent brands, they're a lot more expensive. So the other side to that is kind of secondhand fashion, which is kind of where I find myself more comfortably within, which is like giving life to like old clothing or, you know, if you are buying secondhand, then ultimately the cycle with which you're using and, you know, appreciating those clothes is more sustainable because you're giving them a second life, right? Like it's like charity shops, deep. Yeah. Vintage, like, yeah. Depop, like, yeah, things online. And I guess with that, that's where I find myself most comfortably because, you know, I don't, I don't have the money to be like shopping at like really expensive, like independent brands, like as a 24 year old, like, you know, I can't, I can't be doing that. And also I quite like the creativity that comes behind, like giving clothing a second life and that, you know, it may have had one life with someone else, but it could be something completely different to me. And obviously, ultimately, if you're buying at a charity shop, you're donating to charities. So that's really good. And if you're upcycling, I guess what I mean by that is that you might have a piece of clothing and you might be able to make it look completely different or give it a new lease of life just by doing, you know, adjusting it a bit or like you might dye it a different color or something like that. No, I think I think a lot of I think secondhand fashion's kind of been. I don't know if the last year, but maybe a bit before that, it was maybe a bit of a trend and a lot of kind of retro vintage look and definitely. charity mm-hmm. shop stuff. So yeah, I think that's definitely been good. When you say slow fashion, like the term slow fashion, mm-hmm. like what would like I don't I just don't get the slow bit. Like what what do you mean by like slow? So I guess that um, it comes back to the bit about I guess supply and demand, right? So like places that are like fast fashion are probably big like high street rate retailers like you know H and M, Zara, like things like that, where the turnover of different styles is like very very quick. Like if okay. you could you know you could go into Zara at the beginning of the month and you could go in at the end of the month and it could like have had a complete turnover of like stock, you know. So it's it's quick in and it's quick out. And often that means that there's like a lot more wastage, you know, not, not everybody has, will have bought all of those styles that we're in, but also because there's such a demand on the people who are making these clothing to keep making different, different things. The whole thing is very fast. And I guess that's where, yeah, corners get cut and people can get mistreated, you know, because people aren't spending that time and energy on the people behind it it's on the product yeah i was gonna say it's like fast food and not fast food but yeah i think uh, yeah it's kind of like really really like similar to that like with fast food as well quite a lot of fast food places do get i guess criticized for like quality ultimately because it's so like just get it out the door kind of thing yeah i guess the argument was how much care could really be behind that but yeah so i think slow fashion is just it's just the the opposite of that. It's just trying to aim for maybe people to be a little bit more minimalistic as well, like to not feel like you have to buy, buy, buy everything. It's just taking it at your own pace and shopping a bit more consciously, I guess. Yeah, that makes sense. On food wastage, is that kind of just like, you know, don't waste your food? Don't like throw away food? 
Yeah, I, I guess I guess so. Like, yeah, like if if I boil it down, really, that that kind of has been something that's been instilled in me from a very young age as well, though. Because I remember, I don't know if you guys like went at school in like GCSE English. I remember in like year nine, we had to do like a speech about like what we're really passionate about or something, and like mine was on. Was it? Don't get me started on. Is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think so. Yeah, and. Yeah. And mine was on like food wastage, like and stuff. And like, I remember my friends being like, "Like what? Like that, that's really like weird." But yeah, I I guess it personally it means maybe a bit maybe a bit more to me than others because ultimately, like I see how hard my dad works to put food on the table, right? Like or to and to produce food. So you know, growing up, it wasn't an option for us to like waste food or like you know really leave food on the plate like kind of thing and um yeah so com- coming from that like as a kid and kind of the basics of just you know eat what you've been given there are a lot of people who like aren't as fortunate as you and won't you know can't eat as much as you can but also you know growing up and seeing the reality of that like I remember in Australia there's this baker's giant chain called Baker's Delight and it was absolutely insane like everything like everything they ate like all the food was just delicious they would throw out everything they hadn't sold each day like they would just chuck it away and this is like good baked, you know, baked goods, essentially, that can last yeah. for more than a day. And, you know, they had the opportunity to donate that. They could have donated that to homeless shelters or like um, families living below the poverty line, like kind of thing. And it just like wasn't done. I feel like I've seen a lot of apps recently, or like within the last few years where it's kind of like, oh, you can buy food from these restaurants who are kind of is coming to the end of the day and they're going to throw it out or something yeah they're definitely down there definitely is i had one in my fourth year in, in lem actually and i've completely forgotten what the name of, i've got a new phone since then so i can't remember which one it was but definitely in the last couple of years it's i think the change is happening you know like people realizing to be to be more appreciative and i guess be you know to, to waste less like in every, every sense of the word like because it's not only just with like, you know, food and farming industries, it's also the, the environment as well, right? Like, I guess it all kind of like has a bit of a bit of a knock-on effect. Yeah. Hey, Hamish, did you do the uh, Don't Get Me Started? I don't think we had such a thing, but I feel like there's a TV show or something. Uh, like. Oh, is that? I feel like... I'm trying no, to find yeah. it, but... Like, you didn't, you didn't have a thing in like English you see where it's like, don't get me started on, then you have to choose a topic and then like basically argue it. No, no, nothing like that for us. What what was yours on Aaron? Oh, my mum was like, "Don't get me started on why England didn't get to host the 2018 World Cup or something." Ah, <laughs> it was a 2018. Yeah, yeah. As in, we just lost a bid because you bid for the oh, World Cup no. like you yeah. bid for the World Cup like <laughs> years in advance, and they chose Russia instead of England. So I think that was my. Uh... Are you are you still salty about that? I, honestly, I don't. No, I don't. I don't like. <laughs> Maybe a bit, but like, I mean, I still think we could have done a good job, but mm. looking back at it now, I'm like, oh, there's, I could have just chose some, something better. You know, it was a bit of a, I remember one guy in the class choosing Comic Sans, the font. Really? And I thought that was like quite cool, like quite funny. That's very millennial, isn't it? Yeah, I kind of <laughs> wished I, I wish I'd done that. Yeah. But no, that's cool. But yeah, we're, we're coming up to like, coming up to the end of the episode. Was there anything else you wanted to like touch on before, uh, before we wrap up? No, I, I don't think so. Yeah, I think we've like chatted about a lot, and yeah, go, I, I'm I'm very good at going off on tangents. So yeah, apologies for that. No, 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 it's been good. 
yeah, so what we do is we end it off with like a few kind of like sections before we mm-hmm. like fully say bye. Some final questions to call out in a shout out. So the final questions, first one I'd ask you is what is your most used or favorite emoji? So I think my favorite and most used are, slight, are slightly different. My favorite emoji is the little like the sparkles, not the three little sparkles, but the little okay. stars like with the blue, they kind of look like they're like spinning around. Okay. Does that make any sense? I, th- I think so. I think so. I love to. I, love I, to I just, I, I really like it. It kind of just makes me think of like fairies and stuff or like, you know, galaxies and stars and that. Okay. I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of like the two little stars with like the blue loop, I guess. Is that because of Cornish Pixie or is that just because? I picked, picked up on my Instagram name. Yeah, my, my little Cornish Pisky. Kind of. I kind of just like the idea of anything kind of like sparkly and ethereal. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll say that. I should, I should say that actually, maybe that it should be my little Pixie emoji. And that, that one's your most, that's your favourite one. That's my favorite one. My most used one is probably the upside down smiley face. You know, the kind of like, okay, yeah, yeah. Like, hmm. so especially last night when I was like, may have sprained my ankle. <laughs> like, <Okay>. you know, <laughs> excellent. What, what are your guys' favorite emojis? I, th- I think my most used is the, I like the eyes pointing. Oh, what the little sideways like look for like. Yeah. With, no, yeah. Without just the eyes on its own. Not, oh, the, okay. not the person, not the face. Yeah. Just the eyes. Just literally the eyes. I think that's my most used. Yeah. Maybe my first favorite as well, because I use it so much. I don't know. I have a few right now. There's like the, you know, the smiley face with the halo. Mm-hmm. That's one of them. The eyes, the hands like to say like acknowledgement. I don't know. You know, when you put both your hands up like it. Oh, I praise. think that's what it means. But... Praise the mm-hmm. Lord or something. I yeah. don't know. And then obviously yeah. this, the laughing face, which I thought was a smiley face um, is what I use. Those are my top ones. There used to be a time where it used to be the 20 pound note. Okay. In the last year of uni, it was definitely that um, the peace sign and the little face doing the little like pouty lips, almost like mm, I've done it again, like kind of thing. That was definitely the most used emojis of my fourth year. Yeah, but I like to think I've, I've moved past that now. <laughs> I'm trying to find, is there a farmer emoji? I don't think there is. There's like tractor, but the problem, this is again, this is going to sound really bad, but I'm just very Cornish, but I'm going to say it anyway. The tractor emoji on my phone on an android comes up and as, as an orange tractor and that's not it i'm a massy ferguson girl till i die and that's a red tractor right. yeah so I, I won't use it out of principle actually i think there is a farmer one or what like a little is there there's like someone is this about to change I my think, life wait can you uh can i see <gasps> I don't know if it's blurry they've got hats that's a cow- that looks more cowboy right no but they're holding like a sweet corn like a little straw like a out of their mouth. Cup. Okay. This is on WhatsApp though, so. Oh, okay, I'm, I'm just, let me check. What, I'm checking on WhatsApp. Let's see. Oh, there do is. You see it? Yeah, I do. And she's got a little corn on the cob. I feel like they're always adding new emojis. So, like, maybe uh, there might be a recent one then. Okay, that's me. And that that might have to that might have to come <laughs> into my vernacular now. <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah. The second question is: You're on death row. What is your chosen three or five course meal? So I was so excited when I saw this question because one of my favorite podcasts is Off Menu. I don't know if you guys listen to that. I've heard of with, it, but no. Oh, with Ed Gamble and James Acaster. It's so funny. But yeah, so I think what I'd have to do if I was doing a five course meal, a little like a mousse bouche, like whatever you want to call it, like 
would have to be like mini versions of my Granny Pat's homemade pasties. I will stop talking about Cornish things soon, I promise. But it does have to be like in the meal. So I think I'd do that because I only was just granted the privilege of having the recipe about three months ago. That yeah, you know, had to reach the ripe old age of 24. And then I think starter, I would go a French onion soup with, you know, those like really crusty, like cheesy, almost things you, I don't know, croutons that you can like put on the top or something. Ideally blue cheese, because I'm all about that funk. (laughs) My main, I think would have to be, I'm a big pasta fan. So like, it's going to sound really pretentious, but like, it's like this pasta, it's called like pasta aglio e olio. All my friends who speak Italian are going to hate me for saying it like that. But it's like the one, the one with like oil, garlic and like chili. It's like really simple, but like really yummy. And then I think the dessert, I'm a real sweet tooth. So I think if I had to stick with a classic, it would be my mum's strawberry crumble. Cause obviously it's made with the strawberries like on the farm and stuff with a very like basic cheap vanilla ice cream. I'm all about that, like hot and cold contrast, you know, <laughs> like with a dessert. And in my opinion, controversial, but I think vanilla is only a valid flavor if it's an accompaniment to something else. A lot of people will hate on me for that, mm. but that's why it's just got to be a cheap, basic vanilla. I think I agree, to be honest. I don't know. Do you? I wouldn't just have vanilla or ice cream, you know. Mm. If you're going to get good vanilla, then it has to be by itself. But if you're going to get shit vanilla, it has to be something else. That's what, okay, that's yeah. That. Yeah, I can, I can, that, that's logical. I can, I can see that. But I think because I've only grown up with the crappy vanilla, you know, like I'm now just like, yeah, I, I can't have posh vanilla ice cream with my strawberry crumble. It's just got to be like Tesco's two liter tub kind of thing. Yeah. The reason I think like this is because you're like, you see when you go to like any place and you get like a dessert, like whether it's like brownies and ice cream or whatever, or like mm. Aaron the banana tree one, that's like basically cheap vanilla with something else. So it works. But when like, when you have high gandas, like you can't have it with anything else in my opinion. Mm. And sometimes it can, like, especially if it's like a Madagascan vanilla, it can kind of overwhelm, can't it? Like other bit. And then it's like, I, I, yeah, I completely see what you're saying, Hamish. Yeah. Do you have a drink? Any like specific drink? <sighs> oh my God. Good point. Okay. I, okay. So I recently tried tequila and tonic. This like little, this like kind of almost like cocktail-y version of which the pig where I used to work and it changed my life. Like that's very melodramatic, but like I was like, I just, I always thought I was a G&T gal, but then tequila and tonic came along specifically fever tree Mediterranean tonic. And it was made with like a cucumber shrub. I don't know if you've ever like heard of a shrub before, like not like a, not like a shrub in a garden. That's what I thought. But um, it's like cucumbers and you put them with sugar, dry them out overnight, put them with a bit of apple cider vinegar, leave that for 24 hours. And it creates, I guess, like a syrup. So it's like a dash of this like cucumber syrup. It's like really nice tequila and like this tonic, lots of ice and like a generous slice of lime. Amazing. Amazing. Loved it. That weirdly sounds good and I don't even drink. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just really good. Yeah. And like you and I always associate tequila with just bad choices and nights out. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, so I never thought of it as like a long drink or something that like I'd enjoy. But that was really nice. That's probably more summary. If it was a winter drink, I think I'd just go for like a, a nice red. I, mean, I, I don't know what type of red, but just a, a nice oaky red. Quick question, actually. I thought, yeah, basically, you know how you lot have the separate milk 
Mm. Does that have you ever had the ice cream made of that separate milk or milkshakes made of that separate milk? I've had a milkshake with it, and yeah, that was pretty amazing. Like really, really creamy. I did go for a, a chocolatey one. Like I said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go for a vanilla milkshake. But uh, I have had coffee with it. A lot of baristas down here use drink milk, and yeah, for like latte art and you know everything like that. Amazing. Third and final question. So this is actually a question we ask every guest. The first two yeah. kind of like is changed up. Third question is, what has been your most memorable third wheeling experience? Yeah, so this was the one I was like, I was having a bit of difficulty finding it because I know I've definitely had like really silly anecdotes I've like told friends. So I literally like messaged friend and I was like, have I told you like any memorable like third wheel moments? And they're like, oh, I'm sure I'm sure you have. But the two that spring to mind, because like, I don't know if you guys have ever heard the phrase, like if you're a third wheel, you're a bit of a gooseberry. Do you say that? Or have you heard that before? No. Oh, what? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I know. Oh God. Maybe this is like a cornishism. This is what a lot of my friends tell me. I say things that just don't make sense. If you're like a third wheel, you end up being a gooseberry, as in like a spare part. Like you just you're pointless makes kind sense. of thing. Yeah. yeah. So I definitely had that out in Australia with like a couple, which became like the guy who lived in the room next to me and one of my mate, and it just ended up being like those kind of awkward scenarios where you're all like sharing a room and you know they're having a lot more fun than anyone else is in the room if that makes sense and you're just feeling like useless and a complete (laughs) spare part so I've definitely had that but that's kind of like I guess more of like an, an awkward one but another one is probably like um having being living I've just been a massive third wheel this past year like my sister's not been living at home and I've been here with my parents and you know they're getting to that lovely stage of their marriage where their two children are now adults and they can kind of like go and do what they want and have like nice little evening drives so I've definitely been on a couple of evening drives where I've been in the back of the car like this is great like (laughs) this is really great you know watching whatever tv programs they are so yeah maybe just the whole the whole last year, COVID, I've just been a big third wheel. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> the next section is a call out or a nomination. So you could basically nominate one or many people to hopefully be a guest on in the future. Who would you like to nominate? Yeah, so probably one of my friends, she also went to Warwick. Her name's Emma Johnson. She did a podcast uh, recently uh, called, I think it's called the, Got, it's called Got Grief. And she just did like an amazing episode. Like she's, she's just so good at talking about what she's passionate about. And she's just also like smashing all her life goals at the minute. So I think she'd be a really good person to get in contact with. And also my friend, Daniel Welsh as well. He um, did a lot of raw. You maybe you knew him. I'm not sure and stuff but yeah he's a a dear friend of mine and we went to um, Australia together and stuff and yeah he he loves everything podcast and like audio related so I think either one of them would be a very good shout awesome yeah we'll uh we'll tag him when we release your episode and Mm -hmm. uh, yeah get in touch and last bits of shout out so basically anything you want to like plug promote just give a shout out to we put like links like like if there are links to it like in a description so yeah any anything I think maybe kind of it fits in quite nicely with we've been talking about about, you know, me being passionate about supporting local and like, you know, really seeing that in like different, like, I guess, food and drink places and restaurants is that I'm about to start a new job on Wednesday um, and it's at this food residency and it's called Blower's Place um, and it's down Porth Levin and it's just a place that, you know, you get to go on staff fishing and foraging trips. The menu changes like seasonally and like every day if it can, like just depending on 
what produce um, we've got. And I'm just really excited to like get stuck in, learn a bit more about cooking as well. I, I love to cook. And even though I'm like a vegetarian, I want to learn how to cook like meat and fish better. So I'm just really excited to get like stuck in with that, to be honest. And I think if anyone is down in Cornwall, then you should definitely come down and check us out. And it's also in association with Origins Coffee, which are the biggest coffee producer in Cornwall. Just amazing quality coffee. So yeah, I think nice brunches, nice like wood-fired dinners. Yeah, it's all going to be re- really cute. Awesome. Hamish, anything? Yeah, I didn't really check on new music this week, but I'm just going to shout out an EP that released last week called All In by Skepta. Go check it out. Oh, cool. Cool. I'm, I'm going to just shout out Clarkson's Farm. Yeah, I mean, I'm really going to chance to like... <laughs> I'll put, I'll put a link to that if anyone wants to check it out. Go check it out. That's on Amazon Prime. But yeah, thanks so much, Ellen, for uh, coming on the on the show. No worries at all. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really good fun. And it's definitely, it's taken my mind off my sad and sorry ankle. So thank you yeah, very that's much. That's good. Job done then. But yeah, it was, it was lovely meeting you. And yeah, hope everyone else enjoyed the episode. And we will speak to you next week. All right, see you in a day. All right, see you guys. Have a good day. Bye. <laughs> Bye.